passage we're going to join together in looking and reading other than what's up here is Hebrews 9. So if you want to turn your Bibles and head that direction, we'll get there eventually. Um, I'm not going to elaborate and sometimes I talk too much more outside the book. This morning I'm going to plow through some of the materials because this is the topic that is self-explanatory in many areas. Andrew Murray, if you've ever read any of his books on prayer, they are one of those classics that usually you can pick up that talk about prayer. He makes the comment that prayer is the pulse of the spiritual life. And he's so, so correct. You, let's, let's see if we can do this together. If you were teaching a Bible study to somebody who's just become a f- uh, believer in the Lord, and they don't know much. In fact, let, let's set a scene. We were just talking about our society as a whole. There's not a whole lot of people that know history, right? The schools aren't teaching history the way they used to teach history. Would you grant that that's pretty much the case? And we were commenting, you were saying how some of those people dealing with the Jews... They're finding that a lot of the Jews, because they don't, in that same way, they don't even know their history. And so they're not familiar with the Old Testament. And what, what a tragedy for them, trying to reach them. We were ca- talking about how, you know, the Bible ignorance, the, I'm going to expand, the Christian, the ignorance of even basic Christianity is just growing and growing in our country. So you've got somebody that you're talking to, and they've not gone to church. And you're going to define for them what prayer is. What would you say? You're going to help this new believer. You're going to talk about prayer. How would you give a definition of what is prayer? What's what? Talking to God? Did you say the same thing or a little bit different? Okay. Fellowship with the Lord? What's that? Communing with God? Okay, doing both aspects, uh, conversationally listening and talking. Uh, Can I offer some some, uh, definitions you might want to use or explanations? Is prayer a form of worship? Okay, it is a prayer. Praying praying involves, when we pray, it's a form of worship. It is communication with God. And by the way, it goes two ways. And and probably, you know, the most predominant way God speaks to us is through his word. And we respond in that same thing. Uh, Talking to God about what is important and then uh, to God and what is important to you. It's that communion, that conversation, that sharing. Um, I think this is is a really, really good, simple uh, phrase. It's an utterance of dependence. Okay, and the reason I say that is because some yeah, some people now some of you know the Word of God, and you're teaching it to your kids, and we hear this frequently. Well, if God knows all of our needs, why do we have to, to pray? Okay, and there's a there's a, a logic to that, but it's a faulty logic because my prayer then becomes an utterance of dependence. That I through praying, I'm recognizing that though he knows my needs, this is me expressing to him, I really need him and I can't do it without him. And so there's lots of different ideas. Take the two passages up here. Look at the two verses. They use different words in describing that communication with God. There's two words that are repeated in these texts. What are they? Prayer. And what's the second word? So, okay, we've, we talked what prayer is. What's supplication mean? If you're going to define this, and you're doing this Bible study, and supplication is a big word. It's not a word that's in our common English. Zeroing in on What's that? Zeroing in on a certain thing. Okay, zeroing in on a certain need, request, whatever. Somebody else? Would you give that as your definition? Pleading. Pleading. 
Somebody else? Begging to God. Okay. Um, here's the, the words, and if you look at your notes, you have a little bit of this, okay? Prayer, the word that is used for prayer in this passage is the one that's most commonly used in the New Testament. It especially has the idea of focusing on God, proskenuo. The word literally means this, and if I, I, can, I can show you what the word means better than I explain it. I'll do that. I need to be close to the pulpit so I get back up. Okay, this is proskenuo. It is to prostrate, to bow down. None of you have to do this. Okay. Um, but that's, pro, that's the word. The other word, supplication, is the idea of petitioning, making a request. And the idea is, I really need whoever I'm talking to. I need their help at that moment. So as you're explaining this, you're trying to help that young convert, that younger Christian, that new Christian, to understand prayer has different aspects to it. And I like how they lay out your lesson that you're looking at. They ask these questions. Why should we pray? So if we're going to take some passages, and they have quite a few there. Their passages are going to give us good reasons why we should pray, such as this one, okay? We look at this text, pray without ceasing, okay? Why, what does that verse tell you? What reason should we be praying? It's, what did you say? It's a command. Okay, this isn't profound to be tricky. We're commanded to pray regularly. So most every individual you're doing a Bible study with, they can understand that. Look at this verse. This is quoting Samuel. And you read it, and why, why would you tell that convert, that young Christian, why should they pray according to this verse? Somebody? It's a, both of you at the same time. Okay, uh, it's a sin not to pray. Okay, and especially in that verse, by the way, in the application, the person who is saying this, what is his job? Do you remember? Samuel was. How did he serve the people? He was a priest. Okay, that's important. What are you and I? We're priests. Okay, and are we commanded to be praying for others? Yes, we are. Multiple passages in the New Testament. The, your notes that you have, they give an illustration if you have the book, and I'm not sure if the first edition did, but they talk about how prayer is often like spinach. Spinach can be something good for you, but a lot of us don't like it. Okay, Some people approach prayer that way. They just look and say, I can get away with it. I don't really care to do it. But it has a tremendous value. Now, here's a reason. Okay, another reason why we should be praying because of the blessings that God gives. He commands it. It's sin not to. There's blessings if we pray. According to this verse, what do we look at and say, what are the blessings that come when we pray? Let us as the believers before the throne of grace. Why? Okay, we obtain mercy and grace in our times of need. What is implied here? And what is suggested is that we do have times of need. Would you agree that that is a fact? That there are weak moments? Yes? No? Okay. So this is the idea that God helps us and gives us the grace. And when we're explaining this, let's make sure we are biblical in our explanation. When we get help and grace in time of need, does that always mean God will remove the crises? No, no. So let's make sure we're biblical and we're talking to a new convert and they don't have the impression because in this world is the idea that, that you know, God should bail me out of every problem and take away the problem if he's, if he's really God. 
There's a lot of people who think that. And so you want to clarify that God gives us grace and help, and it may mean we're still going to stay in the fiery furnace. It may mean we're still going to be in that, in that uh, lion's den, but God gives us the grace to go through it. So make sure you clarify that God isn't a genie-in-a-bottle concept that will make everything better based on this verse. He will give you the grace and the strength to handle the crises. Okay, well, what's the blessing here? So it's, it's obvious. You know, so don't hesitate to speak up. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Why pray? Fellowship with the Lord. Okay, there's a greater closeness that we experience. But that closeness is conditional. That we've got to be praying. Let's do this verse, okay? Looking at James chapter 5, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. What are the benefits of praying, the blessings of praying according to this passage? And there's a few of them here. Okay? Where do you want to start? What's one of the, one of the beginning blessings of prayer? Okay, okay. I think, I think somebody piped up over here. Okay, it's dealing with healing. Okay, somebody like you were saying, somebody with a cancer, with sickness. And by the way, do we have a long list of people we should be praying for? Each Sunday, I feel like I'm giving you a longer list. And so there is that aspect of physical healings are in this passage. That, that, that should initiate and prompt us to be praying. Anything else in this passage? Forgiveness is in this text, okay? And, and what we were, were, as we look at the text, could the physical problems be in connection with something that somebody has done? It's a consequence of sin. That's suggested in this text very clearly. So the forgiveness, uh, that goes right along with it, and spiritual recovery of the one who sinned. Because in the passage, that, that person that we're praying for, probably because of there's consequence, it'll be forgiven of them. And we're praying not only for their physical recovery, but we're praying for their spiritual recovery as well. Anything else that you see in the text? Okay, okay, there you have any, any um, uh, making, while we're making confession, it, we're going to have that benefit of getting right again uh, in here, overcoming obstacles between us in that sense, or victory over personal sins as we are going. And as it says, confess your faults one to another. This is not the Catholic confessional. Okay, make sure you clarify that. Okay. Make sure with a young convert, we clarified this doesn't mean you have to publicly stand up and confess your sins um, unless there's, you know, those are rare cases, but they do happen. This is the idea that if I'm struggling with something, I can go to my wife and say, hey, I'm struggling today with, um, I've got to be talking to somebody, I'm nervous about that, and I'm afraid I'm going to blow my top. If I get in the phone conversation, I might react badly. Okay, so please pray for me. And that's the idea that we can pray, uphold each other to overcome some difficulties, some problems, victory over temptations that can happen in our life, that they may be healed, is that spiritual? And then he makes the comment, the effectual fervent prayer avails much, and he kind of just adds at the end of it a lot of things, you know, as answers to prayer. Let's go on and let's talk about another passage. In this text... He is saying prayer has a benefit for us. There's blessings. What is the major benefit in this text? What, what, let, let's make sure we understand because you're talking with a young convert. And if you're using the King James, you might have to clarify some words. Be careful for nothing. Okay, does that mean we should be sloppy and careless? Okay, that, that, that's not the concept. So make sure that if you're dealing with somebody who's, you know, um, 
struggling with language, okay, make sure you clarify, it means be careful means shouldn't worry about anything, okay? We shouldn't be anxious. We shouldn't be, what does he say, let not your heart be, yeah, pulled apart. That's the idea. Okay, be careful for nothing. So if we go to prayer, what's our, what's our blessings that we get out of prayer in this, in this passage? Okay, there's that peace, okay? Um, that peace that passes all understanding. In other words, I'm going to get victory over the worries and anxieties. And then I ask the question, was there anything in your life this week that you fretted over? That, was, that could you know, make you fret? Probably the vast majority of us in this room said, no, this week had no problems. Nothing went wrong. Everything was right. I didn't have any difficulties because I stayed in my room and didn't talk to a single soul for the whole week. That's the way we get rid of the problems. And so it's going to help us, which, by the way, that means we need this. Okay, we need to be doing this. The peace of God guards our hearts and minds, and I don't know about you, but sometimes, and, and I'm sure this isn't you, but if I start fretting over something, it's, my mind starts running to all the possibilities, and I start worrying about the possibilities and how they could just keep on, you know, the volcano keeps on spewing, and all of a sudden, it, the, you know, the molehill becomes the proverbial mountain. So that's the idea of keeping our, guard, our minds and guarding, that while I'm praying, it helps me. And I, again, maybe you don't need this. I need God's help at times to keep my brain from making things worse than what they are. Okay. And so this is a path. For me, I, that's a blessing. I need that. Okay. The person in our household who needs it even more is my wife because she has to put up with my fretting. Okay. So it all, it all goes together. Um, in this passage, okay, let's, let's just look at this one. What is, the, what is the blessings that are coming here? Okay. Let's dissect it. Who said these words? You're, you're doing this Bible study. Make sure you clarify this. Okay. They need to know who said these words. Okay, Jesus Christ did. What three promises did he make? Again, this isn't profound. You can do this. Okay, if you ask. Okay, if you seek. Okay, if you knock, it'll be opened. Okay, so he's, he's given three clear promises. You don't have to explain a whole lot more. Everybody understands this one. Okay, uh, if he were in modern days, he'd be saying, if you text, he will respond. Okay, is that idea. Why did he say it this way? This is my thought for you. Why did he say, ask, seek, and knock? Is he talking about three different aspects? Of three different, totally different ideas? Why do you think he said, in, well, ask and shall be given, would be insufficient? Why did he, why did he elaborate? Okay, for dependence? Any suggested ideas? Are you mumbling over that way? Is there, is there a growing intensity by the verbiage? Okay, it seems that way. Okay, we would imply that we just don't throw it out there, but we're, we're, we're to be growing in intensity. Is that what you're saying? Okay, the persistence aspect. I think you're right. I think that that means, and, and so not only that idea of, come on, keep with this, being persistent, but 
is there, is there value in just plain repeating an idea to make sure people get it? Yeah, you know, the, the assuring of it. Are there any limits to what he promised in this text? What's that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, as a blanket statement, is this a pretty big statement, pretty broad? Okay. So you're talking with somebody, and their mind might go this way. That means anything I ask at any time for anything, he's going to do. Okay, now you know better than that, correct? Again, God is not this genie in a lamp, okay? But in this text, he is stressing, and just just to throw this out, uh, this is in Matthew where? Chapter 7. What comes before 7? Chapter 6, okay? I'm not trying, yeah, I'm trying to get, draw some... What has he talked about in chapter 6? When you pray, be not as the, the Pharisees, the hypocrites. When you pray, enter into your... And when you pray, pray after this manner. Our... Okay, so understand that when he's making this blanket statement, what has he already done? Yes, he's already given us some, I'm going to throw the word out, conditions or requirements for praying right. Does that make sense? Okay, so with that in mind, keep, when you're doing this study, you're going to come up in the next few minutes of Matthew 6, but make sure, okay, what we're saying is God's going to answer, and if I'm, if I'm emphasizing God wants to answer prayer, that's what I'm emphasizing here, and that's good. Okay, what does this verse teach you about the idea of Jesus and prayer? Just, just this alone, this idea. What does it teach you if, if you're going to sit and talk? This shows me what Jesus thinks about prayer. He's listening. Great. Any, he's the source of the help. Great. What else? I'm sorry? It's important. Excellent. Excellent. Anything else? Just very simple truths that you want to share with that young Christian. He answers. I'm sorry, Bob. He keeps his word. So if I'm just making simple things, I'm going to say, hey, this verse shows me Jesus wants us to pray. Okay? And again, we're teaching somebody about the aspects of prayer. Not only do they need to, but Jesus wants them to. Jesus wants us to pray with intensity. He wants us to pray with constancy. You know, with persistence, as one of you said. Keep on asking. By the way, the verbiage is not just knock once, not just ask once. The original language is keep on, keep on, keep on. So make sure you, when you're teaching that, you're going through that, you make that as a note. He will listen to our prayers. He will listen to answer the prayers of any believer. And remember, when he's first saying this, and, by, and this is, do some churches even say certain people in the church get a, a better audience with God? That, that's what was being taught to the Jews at this time is that the rabbis and the Sadducees, they had a bigger in with, a better in with God Almighty. Jesus wants to answer our prayers. Jesus will answer... Again, this is redundant, but, but to me I want to be emphatic. He will answer my prayers, not just our prayers. 
Okay, So all those little things, and you can add a whole bunch more to them, and some of you added some profound thoughts I hope you wrote down as well. Let's, um, let's, let's do this thought now, and it's in your book. Will God hear my prayer? We just kind of snuck right into that with that Matthew 7. According to this verse, will God hear our prayers? Okay? Very clearly, okay? What does God promise in this verse? He promises... He's going to answer, okay? Anything else? He's gonna, he, if we call unto him, he will answer personally. Personal in the sense, he personally will answer you, okay? He shows us that he will do great and mighty things that we don't even know, we don't even comprehend, we don't even expect at this time. Have you ever had those situations where you prayed about something and he answered in a way you didn't, told, you didn't expect at all? And it was even better than what you thought? Yes, no? Okay, I can't think of any simple... The only illustration that comes to my mind is this, is, um, is, and and I've probably said it thousands of times already, is when we decided that, hey, let's just see if we could possibly sell our house, and two days later we had a contract signed, and it was like, oops. If we're selling our house, that means we have to find something. I didn't think about that aspect, you know. And so then we started, and we, we came up with a, we called it our wish list, but we prayed about it. We came up with our wish list of what we wanted, and God gave us even more than what we asked for. We asked for a, one level, because my wife, as she is getting older, <laughs> needs the one level. It's true. It's true, and I won't eat for a week. Um, so we asked for one level. I, we never had a garage that, that was where we could drive a car in. The house we had had a garage at the end of the yard with grass and everything, so it couldn't be used as a garage. We, uh, you know, we, wanted an, we wanted more than one bathroom in the house. We raised the four kids and wanted more than one bathroom now that there was just the two of us. <laughs> and we wanted a place that if the kids come home, we could stuff them, you know, big enough closets. And on top of that, you know, when, they, when we got, went to the day of settlement, we had been saying, now, now that we're really getting up in the world and have this you know, a house on one floor, this is fabulous. And it's like, you know, I think I'm getting older. I think I need a riding lawnmower. Never had one in my life. So I think we need. We should go shopping for a riding lawnmower. And she was wise. She says, "Why don't we just wait and see how bad it is for you to mow the lawn?" You know. It was like, "Yeah, right." Okay. And we get to the settlement. Never prayed about it. Never thought about this. Oh, by the way, we're throwing the riding lawnmower in. And it was like, "Yes." And I had said, "Deb, we had lots of snow." in the last couple of years. Maybe we should go out and look for a snowblower. Never had one in my life. Never, you know, we, the church had one. Said, the deacon said, when we have snow, you guys have a snowblower to use here. And I never wanted to run it because it scared me. Never ran one before. But I want one now. You know, boys in their toys. Okay. So we get to the settlement and they said, we're going to throw in a riding lawnmower and we're going to throw in... Yes, yes! Okay. You know, and again... The, and they both worked. That was the amazing part. They, they still worked. I mean, the stuff we left, it didn't work. <laughs> okay. so, the great and mighty things, yeah, 
are, are those little extras that God gives at times? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, great things that we ask for and do even more than what we ask for at times. The Lord's amazing. Okay. Um, let's uh, do this first. Answer the question. Okay. And this, we're dealing with the idea, does God hear our prayer? What does this verse teach you about God? Okay. He sees everything. Anything else? Oh, wait, wait, wait. You just, you just conditionalized the verse, didn't you? Okay. Okay. He wants to answer prayers to those who are strong. Okay. Okay. There he is. Uh, but, but there's still, there's a condition in this verse. Okay. Anything else stands out about, about the verse to you? Okay. He's, he's looking. He's actively looking. It's not just that he wants to, but he personally, actively... So he is personally searching all over for those who are completely dependent upon him. Why is that? To show himself strong on their behalf. In other words, do something special for them. God really, really wants to bless faithful kids in a wonderful fashion. Okay? That's the verse. Now, again, make sure that you are keeping this in mind as we're going through. In America... The concept is, well, if God is going to bless me, he's going to give me money. You know, what else might God do for me? Keep me from all problems. Okay, is that a, is that a social concept of God? It is, okay. And so showing himself strong might be... Okay, let me throw this out. Taking the cancer away, is that showing himself strong? Yes. Is there another way in a health crisis to show himself strong? Getting us through it. Getting us through the situation is as amazing as healing us from the situation. And so those, those are, you're keeping that in mind all the time. Okay, and you're, you're teaching truth. You're not trying to convince the new convert that being a Christian means everything is going to be peachy keen your whole life. Okay, Jesus said, follow me by taking, lift up your cross. Okay, there is difficulties. We'll talk about that. The grounds for prayer. Again, now let's do what we just did. We talked about how, how God will answer. Let's jump into this section, okay? God is anxious to answer prayers, but now this is where it's critical. Now, now you're going to really mentor whoever you're doing the Bible study with. You really want to mentor them how they should be praying. This is really critical because do we normally know how to pray? If we're exposed to the words of Jesus Christ you know, for a short period of time, do we normally then, we got prayer down pat, we know how to pray? I'm going to throw an illustration to you, okay? In Luke chapter 11, Jesus has been with his disciples for months now, and they've been with Christ as their teacher. What do they ask him? They see him praying all night, and they say, Lord, teach us. Yeah, they don't even do how, okay? They did, the word isn't in their how, which is interesting. They say, teach us. To pray, which implies the how, but it implies also even more than that. And so even the, the apostles who are with Christ, they needed some personal instruction on prayer. 
how it works, what they are to do. So never assume, never should we assume that as we're doing this Bible study with somebody that they got it down pat. Let's make sure we rehearse some very basic truths about how to pray. Looking at this passage, okay? What is the repeated phrase on what we're supposed to do when we pray? Okay. Ask is there, okay? Ask in my name. Okay. That's, that's repeated here twice. Ask in my name. And if you remember the setting, this is in one conversation. Matthew, uh, John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 is all in one conversation. Do you remember the setting? John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. They all happen within one period of time on one evening. Anybody remember? What's that? I can't hear what you're responding, sorry. It's the Last Supper. Okay, it's in the upper room. It's his instructions in the, in, during the Last Supper. And so when he's saying this, don't dissect these phrases like, oh, these are different times. This is, he's repeating something in the same evening. He's saying, ask in my name, ask in my name. What does that mean? Ask in my name. Okay, so asking in my name, what does it mean to ask in the name of Jesus? You're asking for his will to be done? Okay, okay, his, his, why we pray there's an association. Somebody said, because of Christ, okay. Are those contradictory thoughts or are they complementary thoughts? I think they're all complementary. And I think this is worthy of us making sure, okay, make sure. Because if you told me when I first got saved, okay, and you remember my background, I've shared it with you at times. When I got saved, I got saved out of a Catholic background. In my Catholic background, I was taught to say certain phrases and taught that if I say, for instance, if I say not, I didn't have to focus on what I was saying. The bigger concern was how much of it I said. That's the rosary. Are you familiar with that? It's that bead, and you have several Hail Marys, you say, and an Our Father, several Hail Marys. And the benefit of that, that concept of praying was you say it multiple times, and you get favor by just saying it. So from where I was coming from, it wasn't the big meaning behind. It was just, I need to use this phrase. My prayer is, works as long as I say, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay. So coming from that thought, okay, when, if you would have said, you've got to pray in Jesus' name, then in Jesus' name would just become a catchphrase that I thought I'd be required to put at the end of the prayer. Does that make sense? So you're talking to a new convert. You're talking to a baby Christian. You've got to make sure you understand that. You know, help them to understand. In Jesus' name doesn't mean that every time you pray, you have to say, in Jesus' name, as if it's the sign of the cross. And there's nothing wrong with saying the phrase, but make sure they understand why or what they mean by that phrase. So what do we mean by the phrase? It's more than a repeated mantra, like the sign of the cross. My prayer is effective only if I light a candle type thing. My prayer is effective as long as I, you know, do this little thing. 
Okay, there's more to it than when we talk about in Jesus' name. And some of you have already given some of the answers. Okay, in Jesus' name means this. It means that we come at his invitation. He invites us to come in. We're coming not because I'm here, God. In Jesus' name is, God, I'm here because Jesus has made this possible. He has opened the door. He has invited. We come in confidence in his provisions to talk to God, not relying on me. Um, In my name, I'm coming with the idea that God, Jesus has made promises to me. I'm coming in Jesus' name. He said I can ask whatever I would in his name. I'm coming with the idea that this is his promise. Not just his invitation, this is his promise that he has made. Okay, Um, not my own presuppositions. It's saying like this, Father, I know that I have no right to be heard by you, but I come on the basis of my relationship with your son. Because of what he has done for me, I come to you with his authority and righteousness. So I'm not here because I'm good. I'm not here because I deserve. I'm here because of Jesus. And because of Jesus, he's promised that you would hear me. Jesus has promised that you will help provide my needs, so I'm coming in Jesus' name. Um, I, I don't mean this in an irreverent way. There are times that conversations open up at Ollie's. All of a sudden, your name got used there, and that name opened up a door. Okay, The name of Jesus opens the door for you and I have a discussion with God the Father. Okay, so this is very, very important. We understand the concept. I feared this. I don't know if you guys, if you had this battle. I feared that my kids would grow up thinking more ritual than content. They heard the stuff so often. They heard we pray in Jesus' name. That it would also become just routine for them. And so just trying as I was parenting, we were trying to say, okay, how do we explain this? How do we reiterate this? That you're praying because you're able to pray because Jesus. And so that whole concept is profound. And with that in mind, let's, let's in Jesus' name, okay, what, what, is, what benefits here? You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, peculiar people, that you show forth the praises. Question I have, what group of people helped the Old Testament saints when they prayed? The priest. Okay, the priest did. Okay. Are they still needed today? Do we still need a priest? And if so... Who serves in this job? Okay, okay. We don't need the priest of the Old Testament the way they did, okay, because we're the priests. Yes? And I, the way I was asking, I know it made it confusing. But I want to emphasize with the individual, you know, especially if I were doing with one of my relatives who still has a Catholic background, if they're going to come to God, they don't need their priest. They can come themselves. That's, that's critical that they do that. We can go directly to God in prayer because we are a royal priesthood. Okay. Why are we able to serve as your own priest? You can represent your... Um, I want to be cautious here because there's still an element of Christ involved. Uh, but you can come directly before the Lord. Why is that? Because we've been elevated to a position by Christ and his provision of, sal- of salvation... We are now saints. 
saints can come before God as priests. How did I get that position? It's Jesus Christ. It's all Jesus Christ. So he's made it. It goes back to him. But because we have that, which, by the way, this is kind of weird. In our society, could we say, and, and you know, say, St. Alice, is that an appropriate title? Biblically, it is. Is it odd? To, okay. <laughs> okay. We could walk up and say, hey, Priest Leon... Okay. And we don't do that, though it's biblically right, because it would give the, in society, it's a weird impression we could be giving and have to explain. So we go to Hebrews, and I said nine before, I meant chapter four, I'm sorry, I was only off by five. Hebrews chapter four. This is, if you take your Bibles and head there to Hebrews four. Let's, let's catch a passage, because this is taking us with this whole idea, I as a priest can go before God Almighty, I don't need you, you don't need me, okay? And, and I run into this a lot. I run into people who, from different church backgrounds, say, you know, Father Burgraff. It's like, what? Okay, that, you know, would you pray for me? And it's like, I can pray for you, but you can also, if you're born again. Yeah, and so it, it's a concept, but it all goes back to Christ. Verse 14, 414. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In the Old Testament, there's one high priest. They had all the groups of priests. But if we're still living in the Old Testament, and if I had the, the distinct assignment to be your high priest, you were still coming to the temple and working with and through me. And I would be your representative for you, even though you're a priest. And so that high priest was a very distinct office, and God has had appointed just one at a time, was the idea of the high priest. According to this text, God has appointed one high priest, the passage we just read. Who is it? Okay, it's Jesus Christ. He's the high priest. Now, looking at the text, what makes him qualified to be the eternal high priest? What's that? He's without sin. Excellent. Anything else that makes him qualified? He understands us. He knows where we're at so he can represent us. One, there's something else. One more thing in the passage. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that whole idea is where he's at. He's in heaven, okay? And his relationship with God, a couple things here, I guess. Relationship with God, he's the son of God, okay? He understands our battles that are there. Um, and the last one, he remained totally pure and untainted by sin. So he's able to serve as us to get the needed help. So I can come to God based upon my high priest, Jesus Christ, and so it all goes back to him. And I think, Galen, I heard you whisper out, it's his blood that, that makes the total, his sacrifice. It's all about Jesus Christ. Again, here's another passage that talks about being Jesus Christ. There's one God, one mediator between man and God. Uh, the title given in the text, mediator, you know that. The question I have is, what does that mean? What's a mediator? A go-between? 
Okay, I, I, the, the classic uh, uh, explanation to go between the one who represents goes between us to God and God to us, your mediator. How many more will ever be needed or were ever added? The, uh, have people added mediators since Jesus Christ? Okay, yeah, a lot of them. Okay, um, and I don't care what, I don't care what the you know your common nominal. Uh, uh, Roman Catholic says to you, but the fact is, the Vatican has proclaimed that Mary is the mediatrix uh, to get us to, to represent us in heaven. In other words, the, ver- the feminine form of mediator. And somebody might say to you, oh, well, we don't believe that. Yes, they do. That is, their, that is their doctrinal statement. She's the mediatrix of heaven. And this passage says, is that possible? Did Jesus need Mary? To pick up where he didn't, he's the only one. And the emphasis in the words there are one, one, keeps on coming up. So that gives us that idea that we also have this same passage, wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost. Again, we're going back to Christ, that come by unto God by him, seeing he ever lives and makes intercession. Uh, this is me. This, this is no problem for a lot of you, but this is what I would do. I would want to explain one phrase here. I would want to explain save to the uttermost. What does that mean? Okay, okay. The, the word is, the utter, uttermost is the word panteles. It has the idea forever and for all time. Okay, so keep this in mind, what he's talking about in the passage. He is the one who keeps us saved for eternity. Saved to the uttermost is he keeps us saved. This verse is, in reality, a verse about eternal security. It's one of, the, one of the main verses. What is he doing on our behalf right now? Okay, He is making intercession for us right now. That intercession means he is keeping us in good favor with the Father. Okay, Because do we still sin? Okay, Do we still need his... For, for his, his blood to cover us. We do, we do. So it's a security passage, but not only is it referring to the idea that he keeps us saved, but he also intercedes for the other needs that we have, just like we talked about in Hebrews chapter 4. So it all goes back to Christ. It all goes back to... He keeps me in a position... He's saving me for keeping me in that position of being saved for all time so that I can continuously come to God. And have that intercession moment, or have that prayer moment. So the grounds, and this isn't in your notes anywhere, I just thought it was so important that we reiterate this. The grounds for us being able to pray, it's all about Jesus making prayer possible. It's all about him inviting us, okay, so we can approach. It's all about him making our prayers effective when we do pray. It's all about him presenting our prayers and needs to the Father. It's all about, and because... He has given his life for us to have this opportunity to pray. And so the grounds for prayer, the absolute foundation for our being able to pray, is all, it's, it's Christ. It's Christ, it's Christ, it's Christ. It's his blood, his invitation, his provisions, his intercession. So our prayer is really focused on our relationship with Jesus Christ which is just, it's a phenomenal biblical true, to, uh, truth. So now we want to talk about, and here's where we would get, are there conditions that God has for answering prayers? There's a number of them. 
There's none of that. Well, let's pick up next week, okay? Let's give us a brain, brain break and uh, appreciate so much your input. Next week, we're going to cruise through some of this material, getting to Matthew 6 and some of those conditions as we pray. Thanks.